0: Welcome to our Top of Mind podcast. In this program, we will sit down with the higher education technology thought leader and discuss the innovative projects they are working on now and into the future. I'm your host, Caitlin Elkani, Vice President of Client Services and Cybersecurity Research at the Tambellini Group. I'm joined today by Alex Jalso, who serves as the chief information security officer at West Virginia University. Over the next few minutes, we are going to hear about Alex's top tips for information security and identity management in higher ed. Let's get started. Welcome to the program, Alex.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Caitlin. So as you mentioned, I am West Virginia University's Uh, Chief Information Security Officer. I've been employed at WVU for more than 25 years. In fact, I got my 25-year years of service certificate yesterday. And in the past 10 years, I have held different roles in information security and identity management.
0: Thanks for that introduction, Alex. I'd love for you to tell us about your security journey and how did you get here?
1: That's a good question, Caitlin. And it's been quite the journey. In 2009, I joined WVU's information security team as its senior project manager with the task of uh, handling a network vulnerability security assessment. And then after that, I started working on web application security scans. Then my supervisor moved on to another role. Then I was promoted to assistant director. And then after a few more success, I was promoted to director and then the chief information security officer, which I have held for the past five years. And then two years ago, the responsibility of managing the identity management team was assigned to me. So that's been my journey over the last 10 years in information security and identity management.
0: Thank you for that background. I'd love to hear more about your personal security philosophy.
1: my, My personal security philosophy in my role here has two different facets to it. So the first, um, or the overall one, is don't don't be an, an easy target. So just like for our own personal security, we lock the doors, lock the windows, you don't leave your keys in your car, you have to take that same idea to information security in general. So from a systems point of view, you need to keep your systems current with updates and patches. And from an authentication point of view, you should have multiple accounts and each account has its own separate password. Like you know, For example, mm-hmm. you have one uh, account that you use for your professional correspondence and then you might have a resource account which you use for communicating with vendors or when you're making purchases, but you try and separate the professional correspondence from from all the other correspondence. And then from the personnel point of view, you have to reinforce security awareness. And in, in my environment, we work to make our users aware of suspicious email phishing, a spoofed email where the bad guys will try to impersonate a person higher up in the organization and try to convince the recipient of the email to transfer money or something else that would put the university at risk. And then as you're reinforcing the message amongst your users, you need to make them aware that if you got caught in such a scam please report it right away. Nothing negative will happen when they report In fact, it's positive. You, you want the persons to report that. That way you know what's happening across your user base and you can develop the appropriate awareness materials to make others aware of what is out there. And by following those two approaches, you can put a nice baseline, a nice fundamental setup for your information security program.
0: What keeps you up at night about security in higher ed, Alex?
1: Well, I have a very good team that takes care of those items that I mentioned earlier about not making the university uh, an easy target. In in my role, what keeps me up at night are increased or new compliance regulations, Mm -hmm. because when that happens, you have an outside entity or outside agency has determined that there is a risk in the greater business environment or academic environment that that needs to be addressed and when you when the university will receive such a notice that there's a, a new compliance regulation tied to a service that the university delivers, like research or payment processing or processing financial aid, then you have to start working to address that, to lower the risk, to make the operations more secure. And sometimes that's not an easy task to get done because you might not have the resources to uh, address it whether it's people or technology. And you might not have the time to get it done before the next assessment is coming in. And then when you have multiples of those uh, new compliance regulations occurring, that could increase the overhead, and then it gets even harder to be current with the um, compliance regulations. And with WVU being a research level one institution. Uh, uh, land-grant state university that's the flagship, we have a higher level of visibility, so we have more regulations that we have to follow. And trying to stay in front of that can be the challenge because you don't always know what's going to be the new compliance regulation. So those are the areas or topics that keep me up at night and, uh, with information security and higher ed.
0: Let's go back to people. I know that you recently undertook a large identity and access management project at WVU. What pieces of IAM did you tackle?
1: The pieces that we tackled were account provisioning and password management within WVU. And also WVU works with uh statewide hospital system where there are say, fa- faculty from the medical school who are also MDs in the hospital system, and the reverse, there are, hospitals, are MDs who are also faculty. Mm-hmm. And one of the services we wanted to offer to this population was the ability to have a single set of authentication credentials that would work in either uh, setting. And the work to make sure that we identify the right user ID and match them up between the two entities. So you, you have 30,000 people working in the hospital system, and there's almost 60,000 in the university. There, there's a lot of IDs floating around there. So you have to be able to identify them match them and then synchronize their passwords and we strive to get that done within a three-day window from the time the person has been identified as being in this population that we call shared users so those were the three main topics that we addressed in our identity and access management project what
0: prompted that project
1: that's a really good question. So it was January of 2018 when Identity and Access Management was assigned to me. And when my supervisor did that, I said, well, what, what is the objective? What is it that uh, she wants me to address within Identity and Access Management? She said, make the operations run smoother, identify the problems, fix them, strengthen the program. Okay. And in the first week I have this new responsibility. The, the vendor, which is the key to our identity and access management system, went bankrupt. So I went back to my boss and I'm like, we found the problem. And this is what we have to address. And that uh started us down the journey of implementing our identity and access management project. So when this happened, I I'm I'm new to the IAM role at WVU, and I knew we worked with the hospital system, so I called my peer over there, and she was also new to the identity and access management role. And I, I uh, asked her what changes would she like to see because we're gonna have to put in a new system. Mm-hmm. And she identified her requirements, I worked to identify mine. Now granted, we're under a short timeline because we have no vendor, anymore to give us support in case our system suffers uh, any issues so we wanted to go from a single unified system where one team was supporting both the hospital system and the university to two separate systems one dedicated to the hospital one de- dedicated to you, you, to the university and in that way, we could bring more resources to bear to make a better and stronger program and then focus on supporting those people who work in both, are paid by both places, but could work in either one, which is our shared user population. So just to circle back, the bankruptcy of our IDM vendor prompted the start of this project, but we also used it to lay the foundation for a program which can scale and grow as our two entities uh, grow as well.
0: I'm sure you've had a lot of interesting things happen during this transition. What lessons did you learn along the way?
1: So the lessons that were learned is identify all the processes that are part of your identity and access management program. I wasn't able to do that because of the time constraint in having to identify a new vendor, put a system in place and get everything up and running. And if you would look at this from a project management approach, all of the pieces where you're supposed to know what the project is to deliver when it is complete, we kind of had to go quickly through that piece and then just identify the main items and then hope along the way that we could address the rest. So in a perfect world, Being able to know what it is you have to support and replace, that's the key. Uh, In my situation and with the hospitals, what we learned is you have to be flexible and realize if something is not going as it should with the project, be able to quickly pivot, find out what needs to get done, put the plan in place, and then implement that so we could maintain our project schedule. What
0: would you do differently in the identity management implementation journey, Alex, if you had to do it all over again?
1: Well, um, to add a little bit of humor, don't select a vendor where it's gonna go bankrupt at an unplanned time. That's good advice. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the first one. So the have a better understanding of the life cycle of an identity. So for example, you have students, universities have students. Students start out as an admin, and there's a lot more admits than enrolled students. And then students are enrolled, they're taking classes, they're using services. Then students graduate, and then they become alumni. So the student life cycle is three basic phases, but you can't treat each phase as a, what we call an active identity on campus. So in the student phase, the middle one, the students are using the learning management system, using academic technologies daily. They're um, high volume users, but when they're an admin and an alumni, they're what we call passive users where they need to access resources, but not many, maybe a course catalog when they are an admit, or maybe the Alumni Association site whenever they graduate. So you you have larger populations of admits and alumni, but they're not high volume users. They would be called passive users. Mm -hmm. So knowing what role or state they are in, and then making sure they are using the right system to authenticate and get to the resource. Handling all your admits, all your students, all your alumni in your identity management system is very expensive because the licenses are expensive for an identity management system because all the services the system provides. So you need to find other ways to get your passive users access. And that's where WVU is starting to roll out federated access. For our passive users, so they can use, say, their social media credentials, like their Google account to log in and view the resources that they, that they're, um, they can get access to. Now, along the same line, you look at employees. So an employee can be a recruit and a new hire, then they're an employee, then they can be a retiree. And when they're employees, they're active users. They're using resources all the time. But when they're a recruit or retired, They don't use resources as much. They still need access, but they're not high volume resources. So again, your, your, um, active users use identity management system, your passive users for WVU, we have them using our federated access system.
0: If you had to boil down your lessons learned to one piece of advice for our listeners today around building an identity management program, what would it be, Alex?
1: know what it is you have to deliver for your IAM program. So is your IAM program just identity creation and account provisioning? Or is it as much where uh, it's working with faculty tenure? or helping with university uh, accreditation. So know what the program is to deliver before you get involved with the program. And one thing I've learned a lot, so this, this might be the one piece of advice is, identity and access management is a fundamental piece for all IT across campus. You have to authenticate into any system. So you need to know what are the authentication requirements for the systems and the users that the IAM program supports.
0: What's coming up next on your security roadmap and why did you choose that?
1: So on our security roadmap, I'm also going to um add in identity management to it and on the identity management side it is expanding and strengthening our federated access program because the wvu being the uh, state's land-grant flagship institution there's a lot of outreach that it does for example Reaching out to underserved school districts and giving them access to university resources to give these kids a leg up on becoming successful, um, university students. So we're working with the state's department of a K through 12 education so that these students can use their school provided credentials to connect in and get access to university resources. Mm-hmm. This way they're using credentials they're familiar with and the university isn't having to increase the number of identity management licenses it's handing out to these students because they're passive users. It's, it's a large population across the university, but we don't know what percentage will be utilizing that service. So you have to look at it from a, um, cost-effective approach. What what gives you your best return on investment for your investment into identity and access management? On the security side, the next item on our roadmap is conducting an enterprise-wide, comprehensive security assessment, which is based on the NIST Cybersecurity Framework. So we have a lot of good tactical processes we do at the university. We scan the whole environment every week for network vulnerabilities, computer vulnerabilities, sensitive data that's located across endpoints, uh, malicious software. So we scan all of those. We have a governance program that we're putting into place but we need to measure how we are doing from an enterprise point of view so not just looking at one college or one division but how is WVU doing as a whole and that is what we are working with working on to release this or start this a uh, comprehensive cybersecurity assessment so on a annual basis we ask all of the campus IT directors to answer questions Based on the operational work that we do, when mm-hmm. we get their answers back, and then we cross-reference that to the metrics we collect, and then we can see where we're doing well, where we, where improvement is needed or where investments are needed. And overall that, that strengthens the security posture of the university and lowers overall enterprise risk.
0: Well, what one piece of advice overall, Alex, would you like to leave our listeners with today?
1: Information security, including identity management. It it isn't a one and done solution, meaning can't bring a consultant in. Well, let me rephrase. You bring a consultant in, the consultant gives you assessment and says you need to implement X amount of recommendations for your information security or identity management program. That's just the starting point. Just because that consultant came in and did that, that doesn't mean you're done. Or implementing the systems. And then after that, that that doesn't mean you're done. Both of those two areas, information security and identity management, they are ongoing programs. You have to have a strategic plan in place to determine what you want to achieve in the next two, three years down the road. Then you have to measure your progress towards achieving the goals in your strategic plan. And then you have to be prepared to pivot if there are changes in your objectives or there could be changes in compliance regulations or there could be changes in administration or anywhere in between, but you have to be able to look long-term as to what you need to do for your program and then always work towards achieving those goals and always work to be better than you were the past day, the past week, the past year. So to go back to it, information, secure identity management, they are ongoing operations they're recurring it's 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 something that must be embedded in the operations of the university in order so that you can realize success
0: thank you so much for your time today alex
1: and thank you for inviting me i appreciate it
0: this concludes our top of mind podcast don't forget to subscribe to our channel Please check back with us next month for another great topic.